0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Today's episode, we have a special guest, Eric Nevins of the Christian Podcast Association. And uh, he brought up a topic that I would uh, that I wanted to talk about because I didn't really know much about. Uh, but I don't really need to explain it because all that is explained in the episode and I don't need to repeat myself and or repeat what he says. Uh, so, uh, if you are interested in anything about Eric Nevins and what he does and uh, what he's been doing, you could check out the info of this episode, and it has uh, all his information in there. Uh, before we start, though, I wanted to tell all the listeners out there, thank you very much for all the likes and the the shares and stuff. Uh, we, we've been seeing our numbers go up, and there's definitely some activity. There's some chatter out there, and uh, we very much appreciate all of that. Continue to do that. Hit those stars. Hit those likes and shares. Uh, it is much appreciated, and we love you guys. Thank you very much. Enjoy the episode. Learning scripture, knowing Christ. Welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to the Hashtag One Fear podcast. And we have myself, Dominic, with Danielle over there, looking all pretty, (laughs) shaking her head. Uh, And we are online on Riverside with Eric Nevins uh, to talk about something that I couldn't find anything about. Uh, Should evangelicals have a theology of agency? So before we get into the topic, I want to have Eric uh, introduce himself to our audience.
1: Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Dominic and Danielle. I appreciate it. It's a to be here. I love uh, having these kind of conversations and podcasting is a great way to do it. Um, So my name is Eric Nevins. I live in Denver with my wife of 25 years. That's hard to believe now. Uh, but, uh, we have four kids. We've got two adult kids out of high school and two middle schoolers. And we have a little miniature schnauzer. Um, I have been podcasting since about, uh, 2016. I launched my show on June 6th, 2016. Uh, it's called halfway there. And it's really about the Christian spiritual journey. It's all about, uh, you know, how do we grow into Christian maturity? What is that like? I get people to tell me their story about the journey along the way. So we, uh, hear about the ups and the downs and all the other things in between. And then uh, as a result of that, I started looking for a way to bring Christian podcasters together. That turned into a Facebook group, which turned into basically my business. Now um, I have a membership. I do coaching. I uh, create products and things that I think will help podcasters, Christian podcasters. Cause I'll, there's a few different things that we um, think about sometimes uh, as part of our message. And so I think I'm uniquely positioned to help, Uh, Christian podcasters in not only the dynamics of the, uh, you know, technical stuff and, you know, mindset and all that with, that comes with it, but also the sort of messaging and infusing the gospel, or as I like to say, bringing the gospel to bear on their niche. So I love doing that. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. And that's how I met you. It was through your Facebook group. And, uh, And this is how this topic was generated. I think you shared, I think it was a, uh, from your memories on Facebook. Yeah. I think it was well, right so from like two years ago.
1: One of the things I've learned to do on Facebook is <laughs> to poke the bear. I like to call it that. <laughs> right? so, so I will ask a question. Um, I love questions. Questions are so fun. And I didn't really learn that until I got into podcasting, but I love to ask open-ended questions. Yes. And on Facebook, if you ask a good open-ended question, you leave some blanks where people can fill in some things. And, uh, you let people kind of answer from their experience or from what they would like, what they believe. And when you do that, um, people will do it. They'll, they'll respond and sometimes fights will break out and, uh, <laughs> that's good for engagement. So that's what, that's what I try to do. So I'd I, I ask this question about agency. What do we need a theology of agency? Cause honestly, I don't, I didn't get it. I mean, I've got a master of divinity from Denver seminary. So I've Spent plenty of time studying theology. I didn't get a ton of that. Uh, and as I think about Christian maturity, it's just it's a topic that came up in my mind.
0: Yeah, and and on my end, when I saw that, I was like, well, I from all the schooling I've had and all the studying I've done, I don't think I've ever heard of a theology of agency. So I went to all my books and I got lots of books. All my listeners probably know that. Um, so went into those and found absolutely nothing about it. And then doing a search online, f- figuring out like evangelicals with uh, theology of agency, I didn't find anything, but I'd sure found a lot about, uh, a theology of agency among the Mormons. And so that really sparked my interest. Like, huh, that's really interesting. And so I kind of looked into how they understood it. Um, and I, if I understood them right, it's more about the difference between free will and not uh, how, right. how Mormons understood it. But uh, as far as evangelicals, it it's pretty mute out there. Like it, it, it's quite silent. Um, so as far as unless the terminology is just off, I don't. <laughs> that could be it. Right. Um, but as far as theology of agency, that is why I wanted you to come on and because. I mean, you asked the question, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, that is what our discussion is going to be about today. So, are you ready? All right. So, without any further ado, here we go. All right, this is the part where we start talking. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. So your question was: Should evangelicals have a theology of agency? Um, that's probably not one of those black on white kind of questions. Like you, like you already said, like you like to poke the bear, and we like poking bears too. Uh, we might <laughs> throw do. rocks at hornet's nest and uh, yeah, all those fun things. But um, so I'm I'm assuming to answer your own question, you can't just give a yes or no answer because that's just too broad.
1: Well, it would be, this would just make for a really short podcast. So no, I can't do that. (laughs) There's that too. So my answer would absolutely be yes. I think we do need a theology of agency, but I can tell you why I think that. So I absolutely, and just to make a distinction, I'm not referring to what the Mormons say as a, as a theology of agency. I'm not getting into that debate (laughs) of free will or whatever. That's not really what I'm interested in. My, my interest has always been in spiritual growth and Christian growth. And so Um, I like to think when I was wrote that question, I was asking the question because I was asking about whether or not I should have a good God centered idea about what my own agency, my own ability to operate in the world means. Does that make sense? Yeah. And this is part of growing as a, as a person. Um, So I guess maybe to throw out, maybe we can just throw out a a metaphor that we can work with and we can talk about, um, think about like children. Uh, do you guys have kids? I don't know if you oh know yeah. Guys.
0: Yeah. We got four kids. Okay. Um, Great. the fourth so one counts as uh, for a child, four through nine though. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, Sophie is 13 now, right? And Judah is 11. Thank you. And Rilla <laughs> and Rilla is five and Gemma just turned three.
1: Okay. All right. So yeah. they're lit. okay. So when when your child when you have a kid and your child starts to walk, for instance, right? What happens? Mm-hmm.
0: They take we full proof the house. That's what we right. did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yes. you, you got you gotta do that because they're gonna get into some stuff. They they're suddenly mobile. Yeah. But they take a few little steps. And what happens? You celebrate those first few steps, right? The first one. Our our daughter, who's now twenty one, she spent Nine days in Spain. It was weird to have her on a whole, like a whole different continent. But I remember when she took her first steps. It was on like New Year's Eve. I don't remember what year, but it was, that, it was a New Year's Eve, and she was little, and she's learning to walk, and she takes those first couple steps, and all my in-laws were there. We we're at their house, and everybody's cheering, right? Everybody's excited. We're watching her do it, and she's learning, and she's getting there. Uh, and then sometimes she falls down, but you know, through with practice she fell down a lot less and she eventually started to go. Where does she want to go? She would go where she wants, which is why we have to kid proof the house, right? Cause they're going to yep. go into yeah. all kinds of places. Um, I think, but here's the thing. So when you're, when they first take those steps, you celebrate later. Now she's 21. She went to Spain. I didn't celebrate that she could walk in Spain, <laughs> right? No big deal because she, can, she can do that. So that is that's what a mature human person does. They're able to to hopefully walk where wherever they want to go. They yeah. have a will, and I think spiritually, maybe I'm, I'm hesitant to separate spiritual from the rest of the human person, but we'll just talk about that for a minute. There is this way that we have to think in a in a theological way about our person in a similar way, right? When you're a child, you, when you're a young, when you're young, spiritually, you need to have some guardrails. You need to, you celebrate that you have some choices or whatever, but then when you get older, it maybe changes a little bit. And that's what I was trying to get at that, at that uh, question with that question. And funny enough, not most, I think it confuses people. I don't think they know what to
0: say to it really. Well, yeah. I mean, I was confused because I was like, well, first of all, I never even in throughout seminary and, and all all my studies, I've never come across the word agency. Uh, yeah. it, actually, the first thing I thought of when I read the agency was like Jack Bauer and CTU. The, <laughs> right. All these, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, so and, the, re- and, the reason I use the word agency is because I think it may, and maybe it's really will. So maybe that is where we're getting at. Which, yeah. but that then goes more to that Mormon idea. But the idea that you as a human person, have the ability to influence your surroundings, right? To do, yeah. to do things, right? To, and whether and we know it or you, not too.
0: Yeah. Right. So yeah. how
1: you treat people has an effect Yes, yep. on the world, has an effect on how you treat your kids will depend on how, will determine how much therapy they do later. Right. That's just how <laughs> it's going to work. Yep. So, uh, I mean, that's, that's, just it. that's just the way it goes. So Having a thought, some thought process, some theological thought process on that, I think matters. And I think as we as we develop it, I actually don't think it's absent from Scripture. I think maybe we just haven't thought about it very much over the last two thousand years. Yeah. Um,
0: so with that, are you able to? Because uh, you kind of kind of hinted to uh, defining it a little bit already, but what agency is, uh, and as far because. You know, it's saying that agency equals free will, like that's that's too cut and dry. Like that's not exactly uh what I feel like you're getting at.
1: Yeah, I don't think it is exactly free will either, because that usually has a a salvific connotation yeah. to it, right? Yeah. And I don't mean yeah. that at all. Um I mean agency is your ability to act in the world. And so we should have a theology about how we, not just how we behave. It's not about behavior modification. It's about uh, your own sense of ab- ability to do things. So when I say do things, I mean, to interact with God, to interact with other people, to do good for the world, to do. Um, it's why we, ha- it's why we have purpose, why we, why we want purpose, right? Yeah. Like we, If you don't, if you lack purpose Uh, life can be really miserable. When I, before I started my podcast, um, I had gotten a seminary degree, graduated during the downturn. And then I found myself working at this financial firm uh, for way longer than I ever intended and very upset about it. Right. That felt like I didn't have any purpose and that was a really horrible time for me. I didn't feel like I could control my destiny where I wanted to go. I felt like I was stuck. Yeah. I call it, I affectionately call it bank jail because I had to go every day, sit in a six by six cube <laughs> and not come out until somebody told me it was okay to have lunch. Right. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that. Uh, and that was, I didn't feel like I was in control of my, my destiny. Now there's a partnership to that and we could talk about the partnership part, but, um, I think there's probably something also in there about your, um, identity as a, as a human being and, I Call it finding yourself in Christ, how you find
0: yourself in him and what he wants for you yeah i i I draw this picture uh when we have a craving um there's there's been times where I'm like, Oh, I just need a nice juicy burger, you know, I'm just craving that and or and then, like another time I'm like a salad, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like polar opposites, uh but sometimes you just get these cravings and i I've actually even learned that. Uh, when you, at the beginning stages of like, you know, you're getting a cold or something that sometimes your body is like telling you it's missing something so that you're craving like something like for me at one point it was uh pineapple, totally random. Like, I don't know why I want this pineapple, but I ate it anyway. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm not getting as sick as I did last time I felt like this. And so like all these types of, of cravings that we have, it's like, yeah we we might and bringing into the the christian believers uh life where we believe things and we crave uh certain aspects of of god that we just long for him uh and it's like okay well if we believe that but we don't do anything about it then are we actually fulfilling that kind of purpose are we having uh the kind of intention that we have with that is it fulfilling something so and, and I feel you too, like working at the bank and all that. Like how, how many times I've uh I've thought of, oh my gosh, why am I doing this? Why am I working this job? Why am I like, why is there not something more? Right. And it's like, yeah, we have that desire, we have that that uh maybe even an instinct, a spiritual instinct, I guess. I I don't know if you want to word it that way, but that longing to go Further with what we believe.
1: Yeah. Well, yes. I really thought at the time that that work was not meaningful work, but it it is. And today I would maybe put it a little bit differently. There's nothing wrong with working at the bank. Some people really loved it and that was really what they were called to do. But for me, that just wasn't a good fit personality wise. Um, I tried to study for the Series 7 uh, and you, they try to trick you in these most diabolical and terrible ways. And I thought any industry that is like that, I should not, uh, be a, I, I just not interested in being part of. So that wasn't really for me, but I, but yeah, it just also didn't, I, th- I just thought there was more. I thought there was, I wanted to work with people and, um, and, you know, influence their way they see themselves and the way they see God. That was what I went to school for. Right. So that's, that's, yeah. um, you know what i was after but having that understanding then then feeling like i couldn't do it really stopped me uh and kind of stymied me for a little while now there's something to be said for that probably i needed that time of seasoning right but
0: it wasn't comfortable yeah it never is either <laughs> yeah right yeah uh not until you, you you bite that burger you know and right yeah uh so since this is uh, our podcast is all about uh biblical interpretation and uh looking at, at scripture through a critical lens uh both historically and theologically uh what uh what comes to mind uh, scripturally anyway when when that kind of stuff comes up not just the theology of agency but like going through those motions because i i'm sure you and i we've had very similar experiences where it's like, why am I doing this? Why, why am I still working there? Uh, I think everybody has that, that longing where they're just not sure. And yeah, they, you know, as a, as a believer, yeah, I believe in God, but still I'm asking the question why. Uh, so what, what scripturally, uh, comes to your mind when, uh, those kind of things come up?
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot that, uh, I think about that, uh, can be really valuable here for me. Um, what I had to learn was that I, so this, and this will get at agency a little bit, that I had to take some steps, right. That life with God is a partnership. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really was kind of new for me because I had gotten a lot of, uh, theology, you know, that, you know, you're sinful, you can't trust yourself. You can't, you know, you shouldn't, should never, go where your heart wants, those kind of questions, kind of things. Um, and so it was, I didn't really have a sense of trust for like what I was actually experiencing. Um, but so one of the, so what I studied in school was Christian formation. How does that actually work? Right. So mm-hmm. one of my favorite verses is Philippians two, uh, 12 and 13, which are pretty famous. Right. Uh, so therefore my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only my presence. Okay. that's all that. He says, but now more in my absence, this part here continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Right. Hmm. So, but there's a, there's an implicit partnership in that, right? You have to show up, you have to do the act. Um, But God is the one who does the work and he's the one who's responsible for the results. Spiritual disciplines work like this. So you have to show up. So let's say you're you're fasting. Let's choose a hard one. So let's say you're fasting and <laughs> like you have to do the discipline of deciding that you're not going to eat for whatever, say, say a day or two, and you're going to show up during your mealtimes in prayer. So you have to do that. Um, but the change that happens in your spirit as a result of that is up to God. And he also has to show up and you have to do that. You You have to expect him to do that work. Um, and I think that's really, uh, really a powerful concept. I teach podcasters that all the time. Yes. You got to show up and publish your episode every week or however often you do it, but, um, ultimately God is the one who's going to put it into the right earbuds. You'll do all the things, right? You'll share and and do all that, that you can. And then God applies whatever was said in that episode to people. And you got to trust him because he knows all 8 billion people on the planet and so he can apply it to them as he sees fit. Yeah.
0: And, and expect the unexpected too in those yeah. cuz there's been a couple of times where I'm like, "Oh, that was a that was a mic drop moment in that episode and then we get some feedback and it was like something else completely different that we said. It was like, "Oh, I didn't even remember that I said that. I re- I remember this yeah. other thing, you know." Right. Uh so yeah, expect the unexpected when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, 100%. You never know and you can't which is why I think you need to not be like closed off to those kind of things. You need to be open to what God is is doing and looking for that. Um I think, you know, this is what Jesus said, right? I only do what I see my father doing. Hmm. Are yeah. you watching? Are you watching for what the father's doing? This is what experiencing God Henry Blackaby kind of teaches in that study which I I we did way back like 1997. That was I I didn't know at the time how <laughs> formational that would be for me, but it it really was.
0: Yeah yeah and and a little bit more on uh like the the partnership with god i it, i I kind of get frustrated with how much we avoid the Old Testament especially i love the Old Testament and how many times God has made uh, basically a contract with his people and you know, if you're not as into the word as, as much, you know, if you're only getting it from your pastor, you might say like, oh, yeah, God made this contract and he's going to do this and do that. Uh, where a contract, even in modern day, it's it's both sides. We still both have to hold up our end of the deal. And getting into the New Testament, it's like, yeah, Christ has done all this kind of stuff. What is our, what is our response then? Uh, how are we holding up our our end? and i I think a lot of people might assume like oh, hearing that kind of thing uh you're you're going into workspace stuff that's that's a little bit too legalistic uh but you, you know what it's it, you know a partnership yeah. is a partnership, a relationship is a relationship you know, it's it's two sides that you you both need to uh, I put it this way: if you are in love with God, why don't you want to do this kind of stuff?
1: Right. Well, see that, so I love that point because it is, it does get a little bit um, wonky and I've wrestled with this a little bit over the years. Uh, So as Protestants, we tend to separate um, justification from sanctification, right? Like we, we separate those two things yeah. and the, the Roman Catholics don't, right? So they, they kind of put them all together and so that there's, and it's it's, it's almost as different.
0: if they're one and the same.
1: Yeah, and it it bleeds together, and yeah. there may be a holistic sense to that that I that I find attractive um, a little bit, but <laughs> uh, but I but I'm still thoroughly Protestant. So I do think salvifically, right? Jesus has done the work; he has demonstrated God's love for us, right? And we show up, and we can only we can only accept that that is true, and that he wants to to be with us. Um, just, if, or so sanctification wise though, uh, for going forward in the journey, right? What does that look like? What, what is that? What's that experience? This is what my whole podcast is about is what is the experience? So I say it's honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Cause I want to know, what is it like walking with God in the 21st century? My hope is this gets a little weird, but I I think down the line, I, I hope that a hundred or 200 years from now, maybe somebody will still be listening to my podcast or maybe it'll be an artifact that some church historian <laughs> goes back to and says, what was it? What were they thinking at the, you know, in the beginning of the of the 21st century when
0: they came yeah. to their faith? I, I hope that that's, that's something yeah. that happens, but. That, we also that. don't become antiquated. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, who knows? I mean, you know, the, will the audio always be available? I mean, maybe MP3s will go out of style, but there'll be something else. So anyway, that's, that's just my thinking about church history. I'm thinking also forward instead of back. All right. So I was going to say something else. that was really profound, uh, but I don't remember (laughs) what it was. Something about probably uh, the whole idea of um, that partnership and sanctification. So we actually have to we have to do that. That's why Paul says, work out your salvation, right? That's why he says, um, I'm always impressed. Uh, it's just one of those things that sticks in my mind. Um, I'm thinking of like Galatians, I think, where he says, you once were this, right? You were yeah. this, but now you're this. There's, there's so much about identity, Colossians, there's a lot of that too. There's So much about identity and who you are within Christ that I think is really important for us to keep in mind.
0: Yeah, I was trying to find a verse. I couldn't I can't find it though. Uh where it, it's kind of like, well, you you be you become this Christian, uh you start believing in in the power of Christ. Uh so what does that mean? I have to quit my job and go and do this and do that and I, it I can't find it in, in in my uh online Bible. But it's kind of like, well, yes, you believe, but continue to live the way that you are living. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of this different worldview of how Christ has sanctified you, uh, obviously, less sin. You know, don't don't do this, don't do that. Uh, but continue where you are. It's not like you have to sell everything and go become this missionary or or anything like that. Right, you can still be this Christian where you're at.
1: Yeah, and that's valuable, right? So I think what, yeah. I don't know if this is the verse you we were thinking of, but First Thessalonians four eleven um says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and so you'll yeah. not be dependent on anybody, right? Like so just live a quiet life. Like there is some value to that. And I think that maybe got gets or has gotten, at least in my experience, a little bit convoluted where mm-hmm. You know, if you're a pastor, if you're a missionary, you're sacrificing for the yeah. gospel, and that's a really good thing. Now, I, I think seminary training was really valuable and it was it's good. In fact, I, I know that on the journey, studying the Bible, whether it's going to school or not, um, in a organized, detailed, and theological fashion is really, really formative. It really helps people understand the whole story. And that was the case for me. I went to. I like to say I went to college for uh, to learn to study the Bible and seminary to learn how to pray because those are the two answers to
0: every yeah. problem. Right? Learn, yeah. read your Bible, and pray. Yeah. So I, I've actually uh, heard that be, said before. Too. Yeah, yeah. That's what I do. Um, it, I the other day, I forget how long ago, just a few days ago, I saw a post that said you don't have to go to seminary uh, to be a Christian, and it was like. I, what I just heard is that you don't have to read your Bible, you know. Like <laughs> I, I might, I might have obviously, I, I've definitely taken it the wrong way, uh, but I really feel as though a lot of people—that's kind of their mindset. It's kind of like I've I've become this Christian, so I you know I'm not gonna have to put that much effort into this. I'm I'm getting enough of my theology and Bible from my pastor or a podcast or whatever it might be uh, but that, that cannot replace the intimacy that we can have with Christ when we are in the word, you know what I mean?
1: Right. And I, yeah, I think there's different ways too. So, uh, this might be a, you tell, you tell me if this is a bunny trail. Okay. So, uh, there's, there's different ways, uh, to read as well. And that's something that that I had, that I had to learn. So, um, there is absolutely value in learning to study your Bible exegetically and to get into a passage, understand the historical context, understand yeah. the grammatical context. And, and asking and the,
0: questions, like what you were saying in the beginning, yeah. ask questions. That's the biggest yeah. thing I think is missing from when we read the Bible.
1: Yeah, be curious about it, figure it out, and... Um, See you know try try to see try to get into I think a very Jewish first century idea uh, mindset of what was happening there and and how it applies to life I think that's all really valuable but then um, I learned in seminary to uh, to do and after seminary to do this practice called lectio divina which is a meditation practice on on scripture where you take a scripture and you read it and you listen and then you read it again and you you say, God, these are the things that are sticking out to me. What what would you have to say to me? You write those things down, and then maybe you read it again. And then you go about your day and you come back later at night and you read it another time and you think about what was going in my mind in the back of my mind as I was doing that. And I've I've done that um with some passages for years, like Romans 8 was one that I it was I taught it in Sunday school one time, and then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And so for Several years, I would do that pattern over and over and over again. Yeah, just letting that kind of get into my heart.
0: Yeah, and it's great to write those kind of things down too, because like you can be somewhere else in Scripture and like, wait a minute, didn't I read something from Romans eight that you know, and then go back to those notes, and it's like, wow, Scripture has just interpreted Scripture right there from from what else I've read, you know. Yeah, I love that when that happens. So another thing that came up uh, that I just thought of is when uh, in the Old Testament, when all the Israelites, they're in exile and they've been there for a long time. And it's like, when is God going to come and redeem us? When are they going to do, when's he going to make his big entrance? And they're waiting and waiting. The prophet says, you know, know, God's going to, God says you have this purpose. All this kind of stuff is going to be amazing. Uh, and they're they're probably thinking like oh yes god's gonna god's gonna come and destroy the babylonians and all this guy. and uh the response was instead of all that like instead of take up your sword it was like no settle there L- live your life there um so like we might be thinking man i hate my job like i don't want to do this anymore and it's like well there's a reason why you're there it may not be because you were completely rebellious against God, like the, like the Israelites became. Uh, but it could be just the fact that, like, hey, you know what? Uh, this is where I want you to settle. Do you need to know any more? Do you need to know 100 years from now what that might affect?
1: Yeah, okay, so you just reminded me of a story. So when I was working in <laughs> bank jail, um, I went to a guy— uh, who was one of our previous elders at our church, and he—he he was, I think he was the last Sunday school teacher at the, at the right. church. Right? Anyway. So, uh, which is great. He was teaching. Go, him. He would take like a year to go through Matthew or something like that. You know. Uh, so that's the kind of guy he was. Very theological. Yeah. And I asked him, like, I, I told him, I just, I'm, I'm miserable. I got to get out of here. I can't do it. And I was having trouble. I mean, I, it, this was all like during the downturn, so jobs were not plentiful you know, it wasn't, wasn't easy to find. Yeah. Certainly not in the church. Like all the jobs I could have got were gone or were non-existent anymore. So I was telling him like, I just can't, I just don't know if I can, if I can do this, what should I do? And God doesn't seem to be answering. And He tells me basically what you just said. He's like, well, maybe you need to embrace and say, this is what God has for you right now. And ask him, what do you want me to do? And get up every day and, ask God what he has for you in that place. Um, And so I did embrace that to some extent. And I did try to do as much as I can I could and be a good, you know, a good employee. But I knew in my heart that that was not the place for me. I could feel it every single day. I would walk in there. Maybe it's corporate America. Maybe it's just the institution. Maybe it was just me, but I could, I could just, I just had the sense that a little bit of my soul died every single day I showed up there and I just, I just couldn't do it. But so this gets back to agency. What I had to do was rather than be mad about it, cause that's very toxic and that's not going to help you, um, which I learned the hard way, uh, I had to take some steps, right? I had to take some action. And I had to embrace it. And I, I was praying every day and I was asking God, like, leave me. And, you know, now I can look back and go, wow, he really did. Right. So there were a number of books. Um, certainly there were passages, uh, but there were a number of other books. that I started to read about entrepreneurship and having your own business and those kinds of things as I started to go, started to imagine a different future. But I think God, those are things that God put in, in my heart, right, in order to do today, I help and serve podcasters. Um, and sometimes I I literally do this. I wake up, I go to work and I say to myself, I can't believe I get to do this. Right. I can't believe I get to help people get their message out, share the gospel with their niche in whatever way they do that. Um, and I, and I imagine the ripple effects, right. Of things that happen because, because people got to share. Yeah. Through a podcast. So, um, But the the whole point of that is the action. I had to take action. God, I think, was doing the work. So I don't know if that addresses your point. I just... No, no, it definitely does. (laughs) Um,
0: And and because we have similar experiences, too, I felt the same way. And I was like, God, all right, I'm at this job. Um, I had just quit one, just off the drop. Like, I didn't even give a notice. I was like, I am done here. And uh, this uh, counseling agency that I had used to work for was like, Hey, we heard you quit your job. Do you want to come work with us? So I was like, oh, fine. So I was like, all right, God, I got this job. You got six months. <laughs> I'm pretty bold. Right. And it just be like, God, do something. You got six months. Well, eight years later, I finally left. And I think it was like, Oh, I look back and I'm like, yeah, I, I see what you're doing there. Well, all these relationships that I've had, uh, with, with other people. And, uh, so basically the job I worked with kids too, in schools. And I, when I left that job, it was like, I cried for like three days because of how much, I, like I've known them since they're in mm. kindergarten they're, they're in fourth grade now. And it's like, Oh, I've, I've known them this long. I miss them so much. And, uh, it's like those relationships I would not have had. I would not have had any of those connections if I had just given God six months and then just do something else. Yeah. Um, I I think too many times we we try to write our own stories with uh, what we think is like an epic conclusion. uh, And it's like, no, let God write that story. He's got an epilogue even, you know, that's so much better too.
1: Yeah, isn't that right? And so I think that's how... I think that is the partnership, right? I think we have to take action. We need to move, but we need to do it prayerfully. And we need to do it with a sense of listening to uh, you know, what God has for you as well. So, you know, um, that's not easy, right? Like, no. I, that's, It's just not easy to do. And I don't know that we get taught how to do it very well. And that's part of why I'm asking the question, like, do we need a theology of agency? Do we need a theology of like, of understanding what can I actually do, but how do I do it in partnership with God?
0: Yeah. Awesome. Do you have anything to add, huh Shaking her head now. All right. Remember, your mic's not on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when we were when we were talking over email, I I sent a couple different. Uh, verses that I, I wanted to kind of explore, uh, with how I was understanding agency anyway. Like I, obviously I think we have a different understanding. Um, mine's still an infant form <laughs> of understanding. Yeah. It. Um, so one of the verses that came up w- with how, when I was thinking through it was Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure who can understand it. And I think we really, really need to understand that we cannot understand it. That doesn't mean that God can't, you know, just because we don't know the future, just because we don't know how we might respond or react, uh, it doesn't mean that God doesn't. Uh, so the heart, like the sum of a whole person, like who they are, uh, the heart is deceitful above all else. Um, that word deceitful is like sly. But also in the, in the Hebrew, it's also used to describe like a hill or something that's a hilly. Uh, so you look at this, you know, the human heart and it's like, oh, that's a big hill. We got to go up. And yeah. and that's what life might look like. It's like a, a an uphill climb constantly. And we're thinking, oh, we'll, we'll get to the peak where God is. And it's like you, you turn around. And it's like, oh, man, I'm still in the valley, you know, <laughs> to use that analogy. Uh, but it's beyond cure, weak sick or ill and to like who can understand it that we're to understand to know or to be acquainted with who wants to be acquainted with a sick person and then we go to the new testament we look at who christ is and how much he's like i want to be acquainted with you will you partner with me will you come in relationship with me and uh Despite the fact that you you might have these preconceived notions of how your life, you think it should be, but I still want to be with you. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, looking at how I understand uh, the theology of agency, I'm just really, really glad that there's a God that wants to still be in in partnership with us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, are you concerned that if we have a theology of agency, that sin
0: will dominate it? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, And and this is the reason why. I think that when—I'm convinced that if we have a good understanding of God's grace and His mercy, it's because we know exactly how horrible that sin is. Uh, That doesn't mean our sin supersedes God's grace in his mercy. That means that grace and mercy has overpowered it. Christ's death on the cross has conquered, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, right. all that stuff. So no, I, I don't think sin, sin would supersede. How'd you ask it? That it it would be, become a big problem.
1: Yeah. Like, or, yeah. yeah. Or that it would kind of influence it. Here's why I asked the question, because I, I, I find it interesting that when we talk about heart, this is where mm-hmm. a lot of evangelicalism goes, right? Jeremiah 17, Um, this idea and like sin is the defining thing about human beings, which I, okay. I don't know how much trouble I'm going to get in for saying this, but I don't (laughs) believe that anymore. I stopped believing that sin is the defining feature of humanity. Um, so I know that might sound a little weird, but what I mean by that is we are loved by God. We're made in his image. That's so we start the gospel in Genesis one, not in Genesis three. And the good news is that yes, these things are true, right? So obviously what, what Jeremiah is saying is true, but it's that it's not insurmountable, right? That that God has actually overcome it, like you're saying, with the cross, with Jesus. Um, and I think this is why, like one one reason I think why sin is such a travesty is because of human agency, right? Human beings. Let's take rocks, right? We can take rocks and we can do a lot of things with them. We can build some really cool buildings, right? Pretty amazing. So yeah. I was looking at, I get, I got on like history TikTok. So like I see somebody was showing like a bridge or something that the Romans built still standing. That's amazing. I can't believe that. That's just rocks, right? That they put together with some water and they figured out how to make some concrete. That's cool. Or we could take human agency can take rocks and kill each other with them, right? Throw, yeah. throw, them, throw them at each other, whatever, right? They could turn them into weapons. Um, but what's true about human beings is that we are actually made in, made in God's image and that sin has been has been overcome. I also don't think, I think an interesting thing about using that passage in Jeremiah um, is that's not the only thing that God says about the heart in Jeremiah, right later in uh, chapter thirty-one, he says, uh, "I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people." Yeah, right. That's where he gets back at the idea. This is what he's after. That that phrase, "I will be their God and they will be my people," is probably one of my favorite phrases in Scripture because it's a refrain for Israel. Right? This is the this is the the thing that they say to remind themselves of who they are. And it's not only in the prophets, it's in the Psalms, it's in, it goes way back into the uh, Pentateuch, into Moses' writings. And it's one of the last things that God says in Revelation, which I, I sometimes forget, right? But, but down toward the end where the New Jerusalem comes in, he says,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they will dwell with God, right? He's recalling this idea that he will be their God and we will be their people. Because that's what God wants.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So the only thing, like I agree, I I agree with you, but the only thing that, why I'd veer more towards if we have uh, an understanding of grace is because we have an understanding of how steeped in sin we are. Uh, The only reason I lean more that direction is because if we're talking to a person who is not a believer, they don't believe in Christ, uh, whether they're an atheist or agnostic or whatever it is, Sometimes their response is, why would I even need Jesus if I'm a good person? You know, and, and right. that's that's where it starts getting really difficult to like say like, hey, you know what? We are all a, of a fallen nature. Uh and that's why we do need Christ. So that, that I mean, just to right. compare and contrast. Well, I'm not re- saying
1: that they're good. I'm saying <laughs> that they're loved. Right? Yes, yeah. I'm saying I'm saying that and, they and, are yeah, that the good that's, news is actually that all these things that are true about you as a human being can become true again. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's kind of what I think needs to be more emphasized is that regardless of our past, we need to communicate that God's love is awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think that's the what what the good news is, is that God wants to be with us and that sin is not insurmountable.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think we agree. I think we're just on different roads getting to that point. <laughs> there you go. That's okay. That's good. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I think yeah, so I I think how we say it matters, right? So like I yeah, grew up yeah. starting the gospel in Genesis 3 and I and I when I realized, I probably I learned that from Dallas Willard. But when I realize that that like it has to start in Genesis one, and it, and that the gospel is actually a restorative process, not a just a regenerative process, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if
0: that's right. I'm thinking uh, about that. How right. it's a it's a, restorative, a both and. Yeah, how, yeah. I've, how I've understood it, it's a both and. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's kind of nerdy. Right. <laughs> Well, I'll admit I'm a nerd. I <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do do you have anything else? Or uh, I mean, I I had more here, but I mean, I I think. Yeah. What do you here? got? But I, I could talk forever. So you you tell me where you want to oh, go. So can I, Danielle? You're in trouble. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for Danielle's question. What what does she got? Let's let's hear it. Do you have one? Do you have anything? A question or a comment or anything like that. All right, the cogs are moving. She'll she'll have one eventually. <laughs> um, and don't forget to un-mic your, uh, unmute your mic. Unmute your mic. unmike your mute. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, going into g- going back, kind of like the partnership, what does that mean for the church then? Mm-hmm. And I I feel as though that the toughest thing that's going on in, in the church today, especially post uh, twenty twenty, uh and maybe even a little earlier, is that we're we cannot say if someone's right or wrong. Especially if they are wrong. <laughs> because it's just no, you can't do that. It's kinda of, like I, I'm from our vantage point, we're we're pretty fed up with the hypocrisy that's happening uh within churches. And mm. Uh, it's not like a lot of people or have been, have told us things that are like, did you think that all the way through? Like, one of the things is, you know, that what you're saying, that's really gonna, that's really gonna damage, uh, the church. And it's really an an assault on God. Uh, and I say, well, first of all, uh, it should be assault on, on the church because what the church is doing, it's very clear in scripture that it shouldn't be doing that. And second, the question of whether or not God can handle that. I serve a God that can handle it, so it, you know if he if he's going to be offended or if he's hurt by that, I'm pretty sure he can handle that, and he will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, whereas, you know, if, if Scripture says this, this is the way that it's got to be. I think we avoid stuff in Scripture, such as James five nineteen through twenty, and I, I've brought this up in past episodes with with uh, with our audience that my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth. And someone should bring that person back. Remember this: whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. We don't like that. And uh, when when it comes to partnership, you know, as a church, as being connected to to each other with this common uh, grace that we've been given by our common God, Christ, we have to keep in mind that we are all on this road together. We are all developing uh, like kind of like what you're saying, like going through these things and maturing as a Christian versus, okay, I believe, and I'm just going to keep on living the way that I want to. What about living in light of what Christ has done? So as a church, if we see someone stumble, if we, or even if we do see them in a joyous moment, rejoice with them, Mm -hmm. mourn with them, you know, uh, but when it comes to saying hey i've i've noticed something in your life that is like really not Christ like like where where do we go with that in terms of our understanding of the theology of agency
1: yeah well so i think one thing we have to put this into the context of is relationship right so um it's one thing it's one thing to do I, 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 let me put it this way. The method matters, right? So yeah, it's one thing if you go to a friend that you know well and say, you're, you're having a conversation, you're hanging out and you go, do you really think you should be doing that? Like that's, they're going to receive that differently. Right.
0: Yeah. Then in, in somebody, comparison that someone you just met. Correct. So yeah. compare
1: that, for instance, I, I didn't yeah. plan on talking about this, so who knows where <laughs> we go, but, um, to the to the uproar over the Joshua Butler book, do you know what I'm talking about? Have, have you guys heard about Josh this?
0: Butler, I remember well, it's a, the
1: name. What what book is it? It's an article. It's a, it's a long story. I can't explain it all. I'll give okay. you the short version. Okay. All right. He he is writing a book or he's publishing a book about um, human sexuality, and it has it, they published a chapter or an excerpt on the Gospel Coalition's website, and it used some pretty salacious and weird language and just kind of made everybody who read it go, ick. <laughs> don't, don't compare <laughs> Christ to that, please. Okay. Um, and there was a huge uproar over on Twitter. Right. So my point was, we don't have to debate the, the whole thing that, of the, the, that issue is plenty of other people are doing that, but that situation called for a public rebuke because it was a public discourse. Right. Yeah. So, uh, he, so because it was a it was an article, it was publicized on Twitter and other elsewhere, and then it's gonna be a book, there's a public discourse about that and about whether or not that's okay. That's an acceptable thing, or whether whether that language is going to actually hurt people, right? That the way of using it is gonna is gonna do it. That's appropriate. But I think what James is talking about there is or what I'd like to think he's talking about, is much more you and I are friends. And I'm talking, you know, about my wife in a way that's not honoring. You should call me out on that. Right. Or whatever, whatever the things are. So, so we can, we can talk about, you know, the, whatever the particular sin is absolutely. But that then also is a matter of me having the humility to receive it, me having the um, you know, the wherewithal to acknowledge that it's that it's sin and not, feel like that's a personal attack. Immaturity, incidentally, sees things takes things personally, right? Hmm. Children yeah. take things personally. Adults take things, evaluate, and then make a rational decision.
0: Yeah, Yeah, we're we're definitely learning that a lot <laughs> with our. It's hard. With I, I don't situations, think. Yeah. No,
1: nobody. Nobody taught me what maturity looks like. This is why my the big quest of my life has been to figure out what spiritual maturity looks like. And then now I'm tra- starting to figure out, thank you, Pete Scazzaro, um, that actually it's all, it's all, there is no spiritual maturity. There's only human maturity, right? So there is uh, even, there's your emotional health and your spiritual health and your physical health. And all those things go together to create a mature and godly human being.
0: Yeah. 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 It- you can't separate those. Yeah. Right. Uh, after saying I think that, I'm, like, I'm thinking about that a little bit. I'm like, no, you really can't. Like when Jesus said we're uh, in, wow, uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank, with uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, like you can't separate all those. Right. You know, they, they got to be together. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, but I think we kind of do. And so in that way I've sometimes yeah. accused American evangelicals of being sort of closet gnostics where we separate the spiritual and the and the physical um and th- they would have said well the spiritual is good the physical is bad and they would really denigrate the flesh because of the word flesh it's used in scripture that's not what they mean but that um that whole idea and if we do that we you turn out you do some really dumb stuff like you really treat people badly, that's not right. We have to have a holistic view of the human person, which I think includes agency, includes the will, includes the the fact that you, you're you made by God to do things that he had in mind for you before the creation of the world. This podcast is one of them. And you're going to influence the world because of it. And I think that's great.
0: Well, thank you. Um, also, I'd also add, um, I'm not going to call you out if I don't love you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Like, like if we are friends and I see you doing something, uh, that you shouldn't be doing, or it should do something that you're not doing. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to just go at you. I'm first of all, I'm too busy for that. Um, that's too much anxiety. <laughs> you know, right. I, I will come to you because I love you. You know, I think I'm there not, are people and, who do that though. I think there oh, are people yeah, who do yeah. that, right? Oh that. And that's definitely. part of the Isn't that what Twitter for? <laughs> I think so. You're right.
1: But again, yeah. it, Twitter is the public square of today, right? So it yeah. is it is where people gather to do that. So I think it's perfectly appropriate to have that response. If you're going to join the public discourse, you should be open to being criticized in the public discourse. Yeah, definitely. Um But you know, then there's a significant question: How much time, energy, and focus should you give it? Should should I give it? You know, um, sometimes those things are good, and sometimes they're they're not.
0: Yeah, I I would also hope that if someone loves me enough to come uh, and tell me and call me out, like that's good. That goes with what you were saying. Like it takes a a form of humility to include that in your life. Like you got to have people surrounding you. That will yes. not let you go down those kind of paths,
1: right, and so then the question is, do you have those people, and if you're particularly if you're a Christian in leadership, do you have those people? I'll never forget I think it was two thousand six. do you remember ted haggard yeah he was he was the guy uh who was like the head of the National Association of Human Juggles yeah, or something, yeah, yeah, and he was a pastor here in Colorado Springs, which is not far from where I live, and um and he, you know, anyway, big scandal. Yeah. But yeah. Went, went off, went off the rails. And I remember thinking that dude, I think I was in school at the time. That dude had no, he must've had no one, right. That he could be honest with. He's, he was struggling, clearly struggling, obviously lonely. And he had no one that he could talk to his elders. His, he had no friends My uh, my guesses. I don't know that, but, um, Sure, seems like that, and I think that's probably been true for a lot of pastors. Which then ask, makes me ask, Are we doing this right? Maybe we need to re
0: change this institution yeah. a little bit. I, I think this is another episode that we, we can uh, totally on this totally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I could go for it, like you, you, yeah. I
1: told you, I could go forever, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think that's true,
0: yeah. And that brings in the question of accountability like, are are we holding our leaders accountable? Are we holding each other accountable. Hopefully, our leaders are also holding us accountable to to be involved sure. with what we need to be uh, involved with. Um, but yeah, that's definitely another another episode for another time. Yeah. Uh, well this uh, this discussion has been great, and uh, we're we're approaching about an hour, well, close to an hour. So that, that's how long our episodes are. I don't know about you. Do you want to keep going for your <laughs> for your, whatever you do? <laughs> I, I I do about
1: forty five minutes. But that's okay. It's good.
0: Yeah, oh, it's your turn. All right, we're going for an hour and a half then. I'm just kidding. Go ahead, hon. Okay. Let's hear. It.
2: <laughs> um, so with the whole, maybe this doesn't go along with it, but it's what came to mind: is the amount of people that post things or say things like, "No matter what you do, whether it's right or or wrong, whether you're following God's will for your life or not, you can't stop God from." M- putting you where you are supposed to be. And there's a part of me that's like, um, I mean, yes, obviously God could physically pick me up and drop me somewhere if he wanted to. Um, but there there's this thing of people that want to be able to make their own choices. And so they want to be able to, I, I almost feel like there's a cop out there sometimes of, you know, I want to do this thing and I'm going to leave it to God to make sure I end up where I'm supposed to be. Um, where doesn't that then kind of chop out our obedience piece of that? <laughs> um, where God can make good from maybe stupid things that we choose to do, but to automatically say that no matter what I choose to do, I will end up where God had willed me to end up. All the yeah. time. I don't know if that if I'm making sense.
1: Yeah, it's a good question. I think what you're asking is what's what's the interaction between kind of us choosing where we want to be and being obedient to to God, right? and where he wants us to be. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um I think that it really is again this goes back to partnership and I think it's really learning to live your life with the Lord rather than for or um you know other other things with him so it's 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 with and asking him what he wants so uh this is why practices like listening prayer were are really important to spend some time asking him what he where he wants you to go what he wants you to do uh, you have to bring your will into submission to him for sure i'm not saying we don't do that but i think we do need to exercise if you have a a desire pay attention to that because maybe god's given that to you right obviously filter it through scripture, filter it through your friends, filter it through wisdom. Right. But so like when I wanted to launch my podcast, I felt like I needed to contribute to the spiritual formation conversation because there was something that was happening that was, that was missing from that conversation that I felt I could bring to it. And you know, it took me time. It took me effort. It took me a whole lot of angst and trying to figure it out. But, eventually I did. And there were, were there things that could happen? I, well, this is a whole, that's a whole tangent. My ADHD brain's going there. Uh, but like there, sometimes we misinterpret things, right? Sometimes we interpret things as like, Oh, that must be God's will because this very nice coincidence happened. I don't know. I don't know if that's always the case or not. Um, but, but that's where discernment comes in. So anyway, uh, that's how I look at it. I do think you have to, um, be smart about it, but if there's nothing going against scripture, going against, you know, I, I took a really big risk. I'll give you an example. I took a really big risk. When I left my job, we had some money in the bank. I quit my job and I started doing trying to figure out how to be an entrepreneur. Right. Maybe, maybe wisdom would have said not to do that. Right. Probably in retrospect, that would have might've been a better idea if I had built it up a little more. Um, but man, I was miserable. I need to get out of there. So I don't regret it for a minute. Like, I just wish that maybe I had could have had a little more time.
0: Yeah. Usually, Was when that people, the will of God? It, is it, say that again. It, usually when, uh, when someone asks me, like, what should I do? I usually answer, because uh, like, you know, there's this anxiety, like, I want to please God. I don't want to go against God. So if God tells me one thing, but I don't know what that is, I could be going against God. And it's like, well, calm down uh, just do it and let me know what happens. Right. You know, right. like you're not going to find out sometimes that discernment, it, it seems mute and lacking. Well,
1: if there's no moral objection to
0: it, right.
2: Yeah.
1: What do you have to lose? Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? Danielle?
2: Well, I think about that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if you're, you know, unless you very clearly have felt convicted to not, but you're like it's what I want to do, so I'm going to do it. But um, I think if it's not against uh, God's word and character, and like you said, morally, um, yeah, because sometimes we've lived in moments of what it felt like silence, of you yeah. know not knowing what to do. So it was like, well, we're going to take a step, and um, you know we'll see what goes from there, and um, right. Sometimes it's been awesome and sometimes it's
1: not. I think, and I think it's just how life goes. Right. I, I think that's okay. I don't think God, I I've stopped believing that God wants to direct every single step. I think part of what he wants for us is he's given us this, this ability to be in the world, to blossom, to like, does, I mean, I guess there's a sense where God makes every flower bloom in its time, right? There's a sense of, of the, his transcendence mm-hmm. that makes that happen. But there's also a sense that he made it to, to do the thing. Right. And it does the, and it, and it flowers and it drops seeds and there's more next year. And there's a, like, that's just the way that, that he made it. And I think we have a little bit of that as well, where we, we have to just trust our heart. We have to trust that we've got something there that God has put something in it and, um, I know that's weird. I know for some of us, trusting your heart is kinda kinda tough. My coach that I um hired when I started my show, his name is Tim Morris, and he talks about um his his program's called Design Discovery. He talks about your heart a lot and your desire and how God put your desires into you to to go after. So he's he's the one I learned a lot of this stuff from.
0: Yeah. Uh, so two things real quick. I think how we've taught desire too has been very skewed, because uh, like you know, if you have yeah. a desire that that might be bad, um, and the if the other thing is, uh, oh, I just slipped my mind. I just had it. What was your What was your question again? About
2: being About, God's will, pretty
0: much. Oh my goodness. I think I need lunch because <laughs> I just. <laughs> well, the desire for you is because
2: so many people just shut down when they hear the word desire because they've been trained to believe that desires are right automatically ungodly things. Where yes, you, there are ungodly desires, but he does the Bible talks about the desires of your heart. Right. Do they line up with God or not?
0: I remember now. Um, so it would be really awesome. If when we open the Bible, it says, Eric, do this, Danielle, do that, Dom, or, you know, fill in your blank, uh, your name in the blank, and it gives you a step-by-step thing that you're supposed to do, that would be awesome, but it also would negate the adventure. Right. You know, like, I think it would be so bland to know the end of the story before you even start the book, you know, like it's just when you, when you are living your life, why would you want to know what's going to happen five years from now? Uh, You could plan for five years from now and and whatnot, but I'd like to know what stocks are
1: going to go up. That's what I (laughs) want. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There is that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, like I, I want that adventurous uh, part Uh, as, as much anxiety it might create, but you know, there's, there's uh the spirit of god there he he will be with you through it all
1: you know right 100% i agree with that and i think that's what i think that's the way jesus lived i mean we like to think of jesus as being god and he was but he was also human and being human that meant that he could only respond to the stimulus that he received right yeah. he could only respond yep. so i i think a lot of what we sometimes inter- interpret as his um, being omniscient is actually his emotional intelligence. I think mm. he, uh, when he when it says, but he knew what the Pharisees were thinking. I don't think that's him being omniscient. Yeah. I think it's because
0: he knows who they are. Yep. And and he's he's yeah. And I he think can see it written all over their faces. Yeah, I think it's maybe in the Gospel of John. One of the gospels it says that he he would not submit himself to humans because he knew humans' hearts. Yeah. Yeah. He understood. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, there you go. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for, uh, did you have something? Did you say something? Mm -hmm. I I had you muted. so It didn't echo. (laughs) Sorry. Go ahead. I talked the whole Um, time.
2: (laughs) No, so I'm going to go into like a personal application kind of part, or just, you know, you talked about your journey of getting to where you are. And so that's where we've been for a while. Um, like he got hit, he finished seminary at the end of 2017 and was still, you know, we applied at multiple things that were like right in that area that he wanted. And the thing is actually really hard to find things that are right in that area that he <laughs> wanted. Um, and now he's at a job that is just sucking soul and, and physical energy from him that seemingly has mm. no. I get that. Um, I mean, the only thing I can see from it is that maybe through relationship, he reaches people that otherwise, you know, they're not walking through a church door. Um, That's like the one thing I could maybe see from it. But it's still that like, why did you put this desire in my heart that I've been chasing for so many years? And this is still where I am.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I feel that because I've been there. That is exactly where I where I've been. I can appreciate that. Um and and I don't know. Like that's that's the that's the hardest answer to hear. I know, but um what what is he doing? Here's here's what I can tell you from my experience. Everything that I went through during that season God has used in what I'm doing today there are skills that I learned from when I was working in a call center, getting yelled at all day. Right. Or bouncing people's checks uh, that, you know, I was literally a bouncer. I was a check bouncer. That was my job. Or, and then, and another part of that job, I would block their debit cards. Like my job was to ruin people's day. Right. For a living. Right. Oh my goodness. So, and it just leaves a little scar on your soul, but there's things i have done like, Working with spreadsheets, I I do that all the time now because I need to keep track of some stuff. Or um, skills like with podcasting, I never I never would have expected it. One of the things I tell people before I get on my show is I tell them, "Hey, I uh, spent ten years on call center. I can type and listen at the same time. In fact, if I'm not typing, I'm probably not listening to you. So I need to <laughs> I need to keep busy, right?" So it just is the thing that I do. I've got a fidget. I've got my little hacky sack that I'm kind of playing with and you know, whatever, just to keep my, I, I got to do it. Um, but I learned how to do that. I make my show notes while I do my, my show. I learned how to do that in the call center. I learned how to ask a question and shut up, right? Be quiet because that will get your, get you there. And sometimes I'll leave awkward pauses and I got really accustomed to that because I would ask a question and which would really sometimes be a pointed question to make somebody realize that what they're asking for is really kind of not appropriate Um, in the the nicest way possible. And then just let it be in this way till they come to the realization themselves. I kind of had fun doing that, but that's great with with both um, podcasting and coaching, right? As a coach, sometimes filling up that space, is not the right deal. Sometimes what you want to do is just zip it and let the person think and let them process. So there's things like that, that I can look back and I can go, wow. Like God was actually teaching me some things that I needed for later on. And I didn't like it and I didn't like it. I was really miserable. Um, but he had, he knew where we were headed. Right. There, I got into just, Sometimes people ask me, I'm just monologuing now, but you stop me anytime. <laughs> Uh, sometimes people ask me about like how I got into podcasting. The real story is this. I was working a job where I was in a call center and to occupy my time when I didn't have any work, I would read blogs. Well, then my boss yelled at me on my birthday and I was like, I'm not taking that. So I got a new job and that's where I got the job bouncing checks. And I actually had to work for a living and, you know, do all these things. And so to entertain myself, I started using audio. I turned to Audiobooks and podcasts. And that's where I started to listen to a whole bunch of people about podcasting uh, and business and online stuff and history and celebrities and all these things. Very fascinating. Serial. You remember Serial? Did you guys ever listen to that? True Crime, if you're into that. Great show. Revolutionized podcasting. Adnan Syed is free today because of that show. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's changed my orientation. Right. And that made me go, um, maybe there's, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could become a podcaster. So I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't had that really hard experience of getting yelled at on my birthday. I still don't really like that boss. I'm still a little mad about it. She shouldn't have done it, but it's okay because God eventually used it. So my advice to you would be don't deny that feeling that you have, lean into it, pursue it, take that next step because you never know where it's going to turn out and, you know, do what you can. Don't get hung up on some of the stuff that people get hung up on, like trying to look bigger than they are. Just do the little things now and keep growing. And, you know, when you get to whatever, when you, I don't know, two, three, four, five, 10 years from now, you'll find that it was really worth it. I have a favorite quote, and I'll finish with this. Um, It's by Biz Stone. He's one of the founders of Twitter. He said, Timing, perseverance, and 10 years of trying will make you look like an overnight success. (laughs) So stick with it.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on uh, with us to talk about, well, many things. (laughs) Not just uh, the topic at hand, but... Uh, thank you very much, and uh, yeah, I look forward to more stuff on uh, on Facebook with your with your group and stuff. I'm a part of that group, so uh, thanks for everything you do on there too, uh, with the emails too. You know,
2: so. yeah,
1: it's my pleasure. I love it. I love serving podcasters. I think not only is podcasting uh, one of the greatest personal growth opportunities that we have. It's we get to bring the gospel to bear on our niche and bring it to the world. Podcasting is how the Gospel goes around the world in the twenty first century,
0: yeah all right, thank you very much and uh usually we how we uh end our episodes is to say um, per the per the usual live such good lives uh based off of oh yeah uh, first first peter uh to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us so if you want to say that with us, to live such good lives. So, you ready? Okay. All right. I,
1: yeah. I don't know if I know it, but.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, just to, just to live such good lives. Just that part. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, without any further. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I always get the beginning and end mixed up. Uh, so, okay. Per the usual, live such good lives. I just, you, you missed. Okay. One more time. One such, more time. Okay. Really? <laughs> and per the usual, live, live such good lives. Live such good lives. Oh, yeah. There's definitely a. A delay, but the- <laughs> you can edit that. You can put it all together in your editing software. All right. All right. So thank you very much. Thank you.